continuing our travel through Galatians 5, 3, 2, 3, fruits of the Holy Spirit. Um, I remember correctly, which maybe, I think there's nine, and uh, we have four, so today is kind of like the middle point, and uh, I think it's always important when we're doing this, um, maybe particularly with, with these fruits of the Spirit that we're talking about, um, I think it's important that at the very outset we define the word we're talking about. Because, um, you know, our language today, I, I, I like to say words mean things, but now words just mean everything and nothing. And so, particularly today we're talking about kindness. And so there's a very broad kind of idea of what kindness is in our culture. But that broad understanding might not be, probably isn't, no, in fact, it's not, uh, what God is talking about, what Paul is talking about as he's writing to the Galatians. So, just for those of you who want to catch up, we're in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, starting in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, heart, joy, the creepy masks. Peace, a little dub down there. Patience, trouble, patience, patience, slow, slow, trouble. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, which we'll talk about today, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self control. Um, and at the outset, like I said, I wanted to kind of define kindness because kindness in, in our culture, I think, is, is kind of equivalent to nice. And this is one of those situations where, much like, um, much like joy. Remember, we had to make the distinction between joy and happy. Happy is very, very temporary. Happiness is kind of sprung out of circumstance. Happy comes and goes on a whim. Joy comes from somewhere deeper. Similarly, kindness. Because often we confuse kindness with niceness. He's nice. He's kind. He's kind. He's nice. They seem the same thing. We use them interchangeably, but not this morning. You see, niceness is the quality of being pleasant or agreeable. He's so nice. He's so pleasant. He's so agreeable. That's not God. See, the thing about niceness is, niceness, niceness is a win, man. Niceness comes and goes like that. And to sort of paraphrase uh, a very wise man, we are all able to be nice until it's time not to be nice. Niceness, we can be pleasant, we can be agreeable, and then we lose patience because we don't have good patience. And the niceness goes out the window and we turn into something else. And, you know, it seems like we see this more often in society today. You know, forget kind, forget charitable. You can't even maintain nice. <laughs> Kindness, on the other hand, means showing goodness, showing goodness and compassion and generosity and sympathy towards others. See, this is an attitude of God. This is something God does. This is something God is. This is something God displays to us. And similarly, it is His expectation. That as we maintain relationship with him, as we remain in him, as we abide in him, 
remember the, uh, the example with the, the root and the stem and the flower. As you maintain that connection to God, the kindness will flow from him into you and out into the world you live in. And so I just want to share a quick story about kindness from the Bible kind of demonstrate what we're talking about here. So, again, if you have a Bible, if you'd like to follow along, I would encourage you to join me over in 2 Samuel, chapter 9. And see, uh, like the last couple weeks, it's really easy to, you know, anytime we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's easy to go, let's go find a Jesus story. Well, you know, we know Jesus is going to be patient. We know Jesus is going to be joyful. We know Jesus is going to be kind. Let's find something else. Let's find some of those lesser-known stories. So, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Verses 1 through 3. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. Alright, so at this point in his life, God, uh, God has brought David to ascendancy in Israel. God, David has assumed the throne over the nation of Israel. And this comes after a long struggle, uh, you know, a back and forth uh, between him and the previously established king of Israel, Saul. Uh, you know, Saul's chasing David for years and years and years. Um, it's weird. God was chasing David through the outer realms of, of Israel for all of anywhere from four on the low end up to about 13 years. And David's just Swamp fox in his way all over Israel. Anybody swamp fox, swamp fox on this path? Okay, all right, three of you, you're with me. Uh, David's just running his. 
seem weird. It would seem weird. It would seem contrary to what God is doing for Jonathan to want to show kindness to anybody from the house of Saul. You see, Saul is dead essentially as a judgment from God. Saul was the man God raised up to be king, and Saul blew it. Saul was not faithful to God as he should have been, and he let the role of king go to his head, and he started doing things he shouldn't be doing, and he started not doing things he should be doing, and God said, I knew this was bad. All right, Saul, that's moved. Three strikes, you're out, you're done, you're out of here. And so the culture of the day would have viewed Saul's death, the death of his entire family, for all his property to have been taken away from him, they would have viewed that as a curse from God. Not only that, but Ziba says to David, Jonathan has a son. His name is Mephibosheth. And he's crippled in both feet. You see, what happened was, years prior, on the day of Saul's death, Saul and his son Jonathan, David's dear friend, both died in battle. The battle of Mount Gilboa. They die on the same day at the same time. And so that word gets back to their families. And there's an understanding that when a, a conqueror comes in and defeats a king, everyone in that king's household is dead. You can expect that conquering king to come in and destroy all remnants of that previous king. You want to know why? Read Shakespeare. And so they hear this, and everybody in Saul's household freaks out. And the nurse, 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 the nurse was watching over Mephibosheth, freaks out. She's like, we gotta get out of here! She grabs up the baby and starts running and drops the baby. Continuing on in verse 4. Wait, you want to go to verse 4. 
Bathsheba, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. You have to imagine there is some fear in this moment. The vanity king, enemy of your grandfather, has brought you to him. <laughs> and kings don't have a habit of letting the Jewish king's sons live. He fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. Don't be afraid. I love you because I love your father, and you are part of my family now. You will eat at my table. You will lack for nothing. In essence, you can consider me your father now. Because I love your father, I love you. And he, Mephibosheth, paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? You see, there's, there's an inherent understanding here in this idea of kindness. That kindness is about showing mercy and compassion and goodness to those most in need. You see, it's nice when we, you know, it's nice, you know, you give a gift to somebody, and then at some point they give you a gift back, you invite somebody to dinner, and they invite you back, and there's like this social understanding that, you know, it's cool, but we can't really be in kind of debt, we can't owe anybody, so we have to keep the books kind of balanced. Kindness is about those in the world who they can't pay your kindness back. Maybe, maybe you think they're unworthy of your kindness. That's who needs the kindness. They can't pay the kindness back. That's who needs to be shown kindness. People who may in fact view themselves as a dead dog, such as Mephibosheth. Someone who should be discarded and left by the side of the road and no notice should be taken. This is who needs the kindness of God. This is who we need to share God's kindness with. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always be at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a son, whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, 
for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Despite what might be perceived as a curse from God, as a judgment from God, he was blessed over and over, above and beyond, by David, because of the love he had for Mephibosheth's father. And so it is with us. We are to go about in our world
going to finish up this morning with a little bit more Old Testament. In the book of Micah, chapter 6, starting in verse 6. And I freaked out. I was like, what? That, you know, I just told Mephibosheth, and it tells us at the very end that Mephibosheth had a kid named Micah. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't use the scripture from the book of Micah. Not the same. <laughs> just coincidence. But for a moment, I was like, Lord, it's you! Well, it is him, but just not like that. So, Micah chapter 6, verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of lambs, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? How do I appropriately worship God? What is the appropriate gift I give him? What is the appropriate sacrifice I give him? And as they're asking that question back then, it is still a question we need to ask ourselves today. What is it God wants of me? What do I owe to him? Well, Everything, but we'll get a little bit more specific. What is an appropriate gift to give to God? And see, the weird thing is about giving gifts to God is you are essentially only returning to Him what He's already bestowed on you. But in answer to the question, what is an appropriate sacrifice? What is an appropriate gift to God? Micah says, here's what it is. He has told you. God has in fact told you the appropriate gift to return to me. Oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of me? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your dear God. Look out for the best intentions of everybody. Make sure treatment before God and before man. As God gives you kindness, so share that kindness with others. And walk humbly, meaning think less of yourself, meaning love God and love people. This is what God wants from you. This is what God wants from me. This is what God wants from us. And this is what not just today, but for too long has been fundamentally lacking in the church today. There's so many things the church wants to take a stand on, so many positions the church wants to take, so many issues the church wants to get involved in, and God's like, I don't care about these things. I care about my people who are suffering, and I have put you there to address the suffering, so go forth into the world and do justice and do kindness. Love me. Love them. That is what God wants from you. And that is what I call you. And that is what I call me to this morning. So we can have a word of prayer. We can have a praise team come on back and sing this song. Father, we thank you for your overwhelming goodness, your overwhelming kindness and grace and mercy that you, that you in fact, you pour out on us through rivers. Waterfall.
Space to shine upon you. May you turn this countenance toward you. 